Hello and welcome to part two of um, our discussion. Hopefully you've listened to part one of um, this talk. Yeah, uh, we decided to split this up because it is a very long discussion and we didn't want to overwhelm everybody in one listen. Uh, These uh, talks are important. Everything is building upon each other. So this next question, it sort of blends into Charles's first story and Chris's story um, about how um, you've dealt with your white friends and the N-word. It doesn't necessarily have to be the hard R, but it can also be a in saying that in a, in a song or calling you their nigga or whatever. How have y'all dealt with that or seen that even, you know, with people that weren't your friends? I mean, I make it real clear. It's a no for me, dog. Um, like, keep that. Right? It's it's hard because sometimes people want to have a conversation around, like, why not? And then you have to get into a very long, thorny dialogue. I mean, nowadays there are pretty good YouTube and, like, TED Talks around that. And so point you right there. Um but I know uh, one friend I had in high school, we had like a very serious debate. It was the first time I really had to break it down to, down for someone. And I don't think they quite got it, but I think it was my stance and how strongly I felt about the fact that it just is not something that's acceptable. And like, I don't care if it's in this rap song, right? Um, like the weight of that word and the pain behind it is something that lives on with us. And um, like, even though it's been repurposed um, by black people or black people, um, you know, some people disagree, but that's fine. Uh, It's not a word that should be used, especially by people who coined it to degrade and um, basically, tear down black persons um there was another part to your question chris i'm starting to blank where was i going with this i can't recall but um oh going to pwis especially like college pwis where game days everyone wants to have insert black artists here um and like everyone wants to rap and sing along you you have to prepare yourself to be in those environments like if you are tailgating or if you are uh, at a party uh that is hosted by a white fraternity or just whatever like right like you have to go in and be prepared to block out the fact that you know people are going to be screaming this word uh, like YG song literally my um, n-word and um, I don't know I, I, I know for me I often strayed away from those types of environments just because it was triggering for me and just very challenging um, because there's a lot of layers to the um, oppression and 
the racism and challenges around all of it. But I know college definitely made me a more patient person around the usage of that word and just being able to accept that I can't fight every battle and I can't always expend my energy right trying to police the usage of this word because it just gets tiring and we're already tired because everything else that goes on with just being black naturally um and like you could be explaining things for people for the rest of your life um and there's no energy to do that and everything you're supposed to as a uh you know growing adult in your career and you know as a student et cetera, et cetera. It's a, it's a whole full-time job. It ain't my job. Somebody going to correct them or they're going to end up, you know, the next Karen or like bicycle guy doing something they shouldn't do and losing their job for it and having to learn the hard way. Um, but yeah, as far as that word goes, I always told people or like my white friends, no, it's not, it's not something we're going to do here. And so, yeah, that was, that's my, my take on it. So for me, I know that I, at the beginning of college, I was just sort of tired of, about the subject. And I knew that the white friends that I did have were going to say it, at least in songs and uh, things like that. So I was just like, fine, but I will police you all. Like, I'm not going to spend every effort to keep you from saying it, but I will at least limit the way that I can and, and how you say it. And so um, as time went on, they did start to say it less and less. And I think they learned as they, you know, they heard someone call me that with the hard R a couple times. Um, they, you know, saw how I reacted to it. And as they saw like different instances of racism happen against me, they felt less and less comfortable saying the word. Um, and, you know, to the point now is like, you know, they don't say it at all. And it's part of me regrets that, you know, I should have, you know, like stepped up to check and say, like, just don't say it at, at all. Um, but I just didn't want to, I didn't think I could effectively check someone and say, you can't say it at all. Um, and I think that sort of conversation changed when, or that mentality changed in my senior year. I did a, uh, I was in a speech class and the last speech was you could pick, you know, any topic. And so what I did was I did a topic on the N word. I gave, uh, gave a speech. And one of the things I did was I went to our library, went on all five or six floors and I went to every group, every person. And I asked them, um uh point like i was just like uh have you said the n-word do you think it should be said and i categorized it by uh race and gender and interestingly enough the two highest um and i wish i could go back and find like the excel spreadsheet it's in my grand valley email but i have no idea how to get back into that 
um, was that black women and white women were the ones that said the word should not be said at all. And I remember I was in the library for a few hours having these conversations with different people where some people were like, oh, yeah, you should be able to say it, you know, especially like if you're singing a song or like, why shouldn't I be able to say and things like that? Um, but when it came to like some of the white women, they were just like, the word just makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, makes you uncomfortable. I don't I don't I don't understand that. Um and so I do remember that there was there there are the two distinct camps where you have, you know, people like, yeah, only black people can say it and then I just don't think anyone should be able to say it. I remember there was a meme floating around when we were at college where it's just like when you lose your white friend at a party and all of a sudden you hear, Well, I don't think anyone should say it and it's like the Mr. Krabs meme where he's looking around. I'm just like, I'm surprised that didn't happen to me. But um, I think that in the age of Donald Trump, that those sides are starting to um, polarize even more, where people are just like, well, if you think racism is such a big issue, then you shouldn't say it at all. And then you have more and more black people um, like me who are either comfortable say with their white friend saying it or were silently um you know repulsed by it are being more active and vocal and saying like all right y'all gotta cut that out and some people some you know white peers are more um acceptable of that and others are more resistant to that yeah just touching off of that chris i this is one space where i'm fortunate at least never in a situation has a person I've called a friend said it to me to my face or used it in any format. And they've been really conscious of like, they just didn't feel comfortable because they knew how I was. But one thing that I struggled a lot with was I have friends who would view, view it as a badge, if you will. So there was a certain point where they thought we were close enough as friends that they should be able to say the word. And it then became harder for me to not harder, I would tell them, no, you still can't like that, that doesn't change anything. We've been friends this whole time. I don't see why it changes anything, but it then very much. So what you mentioned led to this long conversation about why they couldn't say it, even though we never had to talk about this before, for some reason in their mind, we had hit this threshold of friendship that they now got the right to have a black card and say the word and do all of these things. And I then was in the space of like, wow, I didn't think I had to educate you, but clearly I missed a mark and should have started sooner. So for me, um, as I, when I was younger, I was definitely a lot more lenient, um, especially when it came to songs. Um, I had this conversation with two kids I was really close with. Um, and they like flat out, I, I think the conversation started, they asked me, I, I told them how I felt, I was like, look, I don't like it. Um, however, like my issue is, is that it's at the time I said, I don't think I, it's right for me to tell you not to say something that you're hearing all the time when it comes to songs. So my rule was don't call me one. Don't call anyone else one. If you call me one, again, I'm at my girlfriend's house, but we thump it. <laughs> um, don't call anyone else it. Like be respectful. If you hear it in a song, like if, 
you're around me, just me, whatever. Like it is what it is. Uh, if you're out in public, don't do it. I'm not defending you if you do do it. Um, like it's in your own discretion. But I've like found that like the people that I was, especially as I got older, the people that I was like really, really cool with never used it around me. Um, I can't say what they do behind my back or in their own homes, you know, like that's, they do what they got to do. Um, but like, they were always respectful of me. Um, never said it. If it came on, they would just get quiet for a second and repeat it. Um, I think there was only really only one time where I actually had to like, like speak out. And uh, cause again, normally like I would just be like very lean on it. Like I talked to my friends about it, but uh, I, I want to say this is around ninth and the 10th grade and you guys probably remember where this youtube song came out is when youtube was really popular and it was said 52 times in the song and like the whole chorus was da 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 and oh yeah i remember um i remember that too i was at school and this uh this girl was she started singing she was like oh this new youtube song it goes and i was like yo like you can't say that don't say it. That's disrespectful on a number, like a number of levels. I understand it's a YouTube video. I understand that it is pop culture or whatever. It's popular and all that stuff, but that's disrespectful. Please don't say that ever again. And like, she was like dumbfounded, like looked at me like mouth open and was like, but like, it's in the song. Like, I'm just quoting the song. It's not like I'm saying it. It's like, I don't care. Like, you can't say that. Like, you don't understand what comes behind it. And like, it was truly, it was an uncomfortable conversation to have. Like, you know, like ninth, 10th grade, you're one of 10 in the whole school, you know? And you randomly heard it. Like there was no one else, like not too many people around. And I just so happened to be walking by and I heard it and I had to say something. Um, now, uh, now that I'm older, I'm 26, especially in today's world, like where, what's going on with who our president is and um, George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, like now it's like, it's not acceptable. Like I can't, I can't, I don't feel like I can just sit back and be lenient anymore. Like I, I feel like I have to take a stand because it's showing that it's not just a matter of, oh, like it's, it's a lyric, but like, it's actually like, no, like not only do you know the pain that's behind it, but you don't care. Like it, you're being disrespectful with it. And that's where like now, like that's what my issue is. And that was always my issue. Like, don't be disrespectful with it. Don't call it. But now like what everything else is going on in this world, like I can't be lenient, you know, like I have to be firm from here on out, you know? <clears throat> I, I remember, uh, I think I might've called it when I told them these, these rules, I think I called it like the N word commandments um and my chief one was i was just like if we are at a party or we are at some social event and you say because you're singing along with a song or whatever and a black person comes to check you i am not coming to your defense i might help them them's the rules yeah i was just gonna mean i mean i agree with i agree with what you guys said i mean i mean for me it's at, at this point it is just a zero tolerance policy. I don't care if it's in the song. I don't care if you have other black friends. It's just you just can't say the N word. I'm sorry. Like in 2020, it's just unacceptable. 
I mean, like, I mean, I've told my story. I mean, it's been said to my face before. And, you know, at the time, I honestly didn't really know how to react. But at this point, 2020, Chris, is like, no. You know, I'll delete your number. I will stop talking to you, period. We don't have to communicate anyway again. I don't care. I don't care if I get tears and crying and, oh, my God, you know, I'm not racist. I'm just... At this point, I feel like I just have to take a stance and make sure that I'm always there to like defend my people because I just I can't let just casual racism slide in my personal life anymore. It's just not something I'm going to let do. I'm just not it's just not something I'm going to let happen. We are coming at about an hour and a half now. And through these conversations, I've come up with more questions, but I don't want to keep this going for too long. This could be. There's one thing I want to talk about. It. There's one thing I want to talk about before we go, though. Okay. Um, my my last sort of question, sort of endpoint. So if you want to um, say your thing after I ask, and you know, people can think about it, uh, would be if you could talk to your, you know, your like ten year old self, fifteen year old self about being black in predominantly white spaces what advice would you give and um what would you say to uh the the white peers that you had in those spaces that did you wrong so while y'all think about that chris if you have one last thing or one other thing to say oh what i have to say well i i have another i have another prompt you you know what it is Okay, yeah, then I do I, ha- I have to get to it, but um we we can't answer your question and then we'll do my thing last cuz my thing will probably we'll definitely hit the 2 hour mark and then that'll probably be it. Okay. Chris, I have a question or well, crispy. Um your you said advice for your like 10-year-old or younger self and then what was the second part? Uh the what would you say to the white peers that you had where you had these negative experiences uh, with microaggressions or the ignorant questions they asked, things like that? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I can start. Um, yeah, go ahead. I think the advice I would give my younger self, I think the younger version of me did a pretty good job. Um, so like kudos to you, boo boo. Um, but I would say never feel uncomfortable, like for the things that your teachers do or the things that other people say, the microaggressions, racism, like you don't have anything to feel bad about. You are being yourself. You're being unapologetically you. Um, and like, you should not feel small. Uh, right, which is very hard even now as adults. It is hard not to feel sometimes uncomfortable when we have to have these dialogues with our peers or our colleagues. Um, but yeah, I would definitely just encourage her to know that she is supported and she's not alone and that they're the only ones who should feel uncomfortable and small and embarrassed for their behavior. Uh, and then to my like white peers... I would say, hmm, in 2020, you're going to be an ally talking about Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Joke's on you. Because uh, <laughs> of, whoa, whoa, these Facebook posts, baby. 
Um, I would also add that they are a product of their environment and I hope that they educate themselves, right? Like I, yeah, I'll leave it at that is that you are who you are because of how you grew up. Sorry about that. And you should really educate yourself because the resources are there and will only further grow and flourish with technology. I'm going to piggyback off, off, off of that. Um, so what I tell my younger self, like like Hattie said, I felt like my younger self handled his business, you know. Um, but um, I would tell him, like, you know who you are. Be proud of who you are. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Do not let other people's ignorance try to dictate who you are. Don't let them scare you away from who you are. And as my mom always told me, like, even when they get you down, keep your head up, chest high. Don't ever let them see you cry because at that moment you let them win. Never let them win. You have a great support system. You have great family. You have great friends. Um, maybe be a little bit more patient with some of them <laughs> for their <laughs> because uh, they are a product of, of their environment. They, they don't know. Um, some advice I give uh, my peers is uh, like, look, take a minute before you ask that question. Think about how you would feel if you were in their shoes. You know, would you just want someone random to just walk up to you and touch your hair? <laughs> like, how would you feel about that? Would you want some random to like judge you because like of what the stereotype is, the types of food, etc. Because I mean, stereotypes work both ways, you know. Um, and like, if you're gonna ask some questions ask questions for information not for like to determine like the um authority or determine whether the negative stereotypes are real ask about what is it like to be in your shoes you know like what how do you feel like it's harder for you in areas or how is it harder for you or how can i help you adjust or how can i be a better friend like that would be the advice i give to my counterparts so yeah um i'm gonna take the opposite route for how i would talk to myself i would have called myself out a lot and told him not to be uppity not to feel that because you think you have this platform, because you think they care about you, you can play politics and that's enough for you. Um, don't forget all the black history books that your parents gave you and that you read like as your first books, remembering who all of these rock stars were in the industry and don't let that go just so you can appease a bunch of other people and feel like you're doing some of the work and not all of it. So, yeah, I'd be real hard on my past self. Um, I would tell him to look at his 2020 self and, and immortalize that all the way through. Um, for my counterparts, I think I would, I would just straight up ask them, who am I to them? I would, I would ask and see if they even mentioned my race. Um, I, one of my oldest friends, him and I, 
have had some really hard conversations this year. And to the point that he once said, if you were like any other black person, we probably wouldn't be friends to this day. Um, because that's how that area and that place that we live work. So I think very much like Hattie mentioned, jokes on y'all, you guys are about to be allies and saying Black Lives Matter and all this stuff. I would I would flat out ask them, what do they what do they think about me? And then challenge them at, in that space of, do you realize that you took a whole identity from me? You never once mentioned that I was Black. You never once mentioned that... Um, I came from this space. You mentioned that I was smart and all of these things, but you willingly stole my blackness so that you could talk about how well-educated and all those points I am are and be willing to have that conversation with them. So um, I guess for me, um, as far as my past self, I think I'll just tell my past self, like, hey, dude, you don't have to assimilate. You know, you are allowed to be yourself and be your own individual and, you know, the friend, the right, you know, when you are yourself, you will, you're your best self. You will attract the right kind of people and you will have the right kind of friends in your life. You shouldn't have to change or have to act like you don't, you shouldn't have to be some way because you want someone else to accept you. So I think that's what I will tell my past self. And then as far as like, as far as my white peers, I mean, the biggest thing is that Listen, if you guys know that like racism is wrong and police brutality is wrong, it's not just enough to be like, oh, I'm not racist. You have to combat racism as best you can in your personal life in spaces where I can't be, spaces that might be dangerous for me. And also, I mentioned this in the podcast last week with uh, Chris and Terrell, open that purse. You know, there are tons of organizations, tons of, you know, people that need financial support that are fighting a good fight and... You know, going to a protest and taking some pictures is all fine and dandy, but this is work that is going to be continued, you know, forever. So if you truly want to help out and truly want to be an ally, you got to open that purse, start cutting those checks, and really put your money where your mouth is. Um, I think not to, uh, I echo all the sentiments said here and not to repeat anything, but one of the things I would say to my um, younger self is you are black no matter what you do no one can take that away from you whether they are white whether they are black whether they are anything else um and secondly do not sacrifice your mental peace and well-being for their uncomfort for their comfortability um if you want to confront someone you do it and you already know how to do it but do not sacrifice your peace for their comfortability. What I would say to my white peers is, um, especially in this day and age, yeah, open your purse, uh, but also um, elevate black voices, elevate black performers, uh, elevate and share black experiences. Sometimes it's good to just shut up and listen. And so then you can learn, always be in a position to be teachable um, and then always be in a position to teach the people that my black voice won't reach. Um, so you do that. Don't just be, and I think I, I saw this on Instagram earlier this week. It's like, don't be an ally, be an accomplice. All right. Um, so we got 
We're about an hour, 40 minutes. We have about 20 minutes left. Probably want to wrap it up uh, pretty soon. There's one topic I wanted to get to that I demanded that we get to before the podcast closes. And um, are, are you guys all familiar with Candace Owens? Do you know who she is? Have you heard of her before? I know everybody's making a face like, oh my God. So speaking of- Yeah, for I, I, I want to bring something up. So for those of you in the audience who don't know who Candace Owens is, she's a black woman that not only is she a Republican, but she is an avid Trump supporter and quite honestly, like a white supremacist in like black skin. And um, the reason I wanted to talk about Candace Owens is because, you know, there's a lot of theories about how someone like a Candace Owens can exist, like a black person that hates black people. And some people think that she's, you know, doing it for the money and grifting and things of that nature. And some people think that, well, she has to she has to hate herself and she has to hate herself to a point. And the only way she's found a way to make it is to essentially pander and be supported by racist white people and constantly say negative things about black people and the black community and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, we talk about like black people having to assimilate and how we have to like keep our heads down when we, you know, when we're in white spaces. I think someone like Candace Owens is like the ultimate extreme of what a black person can become when they do something like that, where they completely throw their entire, you know, race under the bus because they want to be accepted into the white power structures. So I guess I just wanted to open up the floor to any thoughts about this because she kind of went like viral for a terrible video that she did. So I kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit before we wrap up. I uh, block ever ever have to see her tweet under something or retweeting something. I I just blocked her. Now, unfortunately, people still share her ridiculous rant. I just don't watch the videos. Um, I she is the black friend card personified for the right. And she speaks with authority on things she does not have an authority to speak on. Um, and she actively denies that she's experienced any racism in her life. But one of her stepping stones to any fame was a lawsuit where her and her family sued, I think, her school board because she experienced racism. And this was in 2006. And, you know, 10 years later, she's just like, oh, well, I've never experienced racism. Like, yeah, okay, after you got your, like, what, $50,000 check, I guess racism didn't exist to you anymore. Um, but she's ignorant. She's loves the sound of her own voice. And as she, you know, she'll continue to be lauded by, you know, right-wing conservatives and, you know, well, until they don't find a use for her. You know, once her use runs out, she will quickly be dropped.
Yeah, I mean, I mean, she's definitely she's definitely making good money. That's all I can say. I mean, there's definitely like there there's a real estate in just being the black person that hates black people. Like you will find people, you will you know Fox News will have you on. You will find ways to get money if you are at the point where you do like sell out for the most part. She's the personification of how shucking and jiving can be a lucrative business plan. And, um, and and another reason I kind of wanted to bring this up is that, you know, obviously we all know she's a clown, she's terrible, but like she meets with the president and the vice president. You know, this is a person that, you know, quite frankly, does have like some power within this country. And unfortunately, I don't think that we can just ignore her and hope that she goes away. I do think that she has to be combated in some way because essentially she is, you know, a tool of white supremacy that ends up hurting black people and getting black people killed in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, that's just, just it's something I wanted to bring up before we ended the call. Did anyone else have anything they wanted to say at all? So... She's definitely the real life female version of Uncle Ruckus <laughs> uh, from the Boondocks, if you haven't seen it. Um, and while I don't know her reasons, I she probably is getting paid. Like, let's not like say him be oblivious. Like that, that's not a real scenario. Um, I do want to say though, like in order to prevent others from that happening, from other uh, younger or other black, uh, black Americans or um, just any ethnicity as a whole, like that are, as we would say, I think that's a true Uncle Tom right there, but like from becoming um, opposed to our race, I think as a community, we need to do a better job of passing stuff forward or um, uplifting, not only uplifting um, our community that does well, but teaching the part of the community that's not doing well how to get over the hump, how to bridge that gap. I think we don't do a fantastic job of doing it. Um, and in doing that, I think uh, there are a lot of people that throw away their race because of the fact that they feel like they've been looked down upon. I'm not saying that's her scenario. I'm not defending her by any means, but I do believe that as a community, and I think our generation does it the best, but I know previous generations don't do the best of jobs in trying to help a younger black male or a younger black woman uh, become successful. Uh, I mean, there's three of us in here that are, um, two of us are attorneys and one from law school. And I mean, we all have mentors, but we've also had other people that have looked down upon us like, oh yeah, I did this. And instead of like showing us, they kind of like brag about what they have. Um, I know I've experienced that. Chris has witnessed me <laughs> experience that out of the clear blue. Uh, he knows exactly what, what I'm referring to. Um, <laughs> but um, I think that is a downfall for us as a community is that we don't help 
um, younger generations bridge the gap so that we can have more of the masses in the professional field or more of the uh, massive in a successful field. And I think if we were to do that, that I'm not going to say to eliminate those from uh, belittling their race or throwing away their race, but I think it can reduce numbers and it also helps us defend against people that do throw, throw shade at our own race. I mean, in her video, she pretty much took the majority of it shaming Black people for what we do and shaming George Floyd for his past. You know, um, if we have more success stories, if we have not even just like people that made on their own, but like people that little brothers somebody and help them get on to the same level or better, if we have more success stories where we stand together as people, we can fight that and it belittles the message that that Candace Owens has. And I think that would help out a lot. Um, I don't know if anyone else has the same sentiment or disagrees with me, but I think that's something as a community we need to work on. I have a quick point to add. I just want to say it clear to the listeners who are on this call. You can be conservative and not demoralize a minority. I think that goes to the root cause of who Candace is. She found that space where I can talk about why do African-Americans pick the common denominator or the lowest common denominator and capitalize on them that's why blah 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 that that's not the issue if you take two seconds to educate yourself whether you're black white asian whatever you will see that systematic racism is a key part to how america has functioned that's not to justify and say that certain things can go a certain way but it is to say that when people start saying well george floyd was a criminal America was founded on the principle that you were innocent until proven guilty. There is no one person who is your judge, jury, and executioner, but that is exactly what the police did to them. And that's exactly what the police has continued to do to minorities in this country. So for anyone who's listened to this call, you can be a conservative, you can be a black conservative and not demoralize your own race or another race. One other point I would like to add, because I have a conservative friend who shared her video and I gave her this link there is a Medium article called Dear Friends, I See Right Through Your Hashtag Black Lives Matter Post by Elise Cizik. I might say her last name wrong, and I can share it out to y'all if y'all want to add it to it. But she goes on a really solid point about what it feels like to assimilate and how you feel your race is stolen from you. And I think that also hits the core of everything that comes from Candace. You don't need to prove people right. You don't need to show up and be in the space that, oh, I can say exactly what you're saying from a conserv- from a, a minority lens, now prop me up. You can own the fact that they stole something from you and you want to have a conversation about how you want little government, but you also still want people to be treated equally. That's all I got for her. I think one thing I want to add um, is that um, with Ahmad Arbery's case, which is when I blocked Candace Owens after one of her tweets about him. Her mentions, the top ones, were full of black conservatives condemning what she said and saying that this shouldn't have happened, no matter whether he had, you know, you know, he was trespassing on that property or not. And so, you know, as Terrell said, and as, as Charles agreed with, like, being a black conservative does not mean that you have to agree with Candace Owens because I know plenty and have seen plenty that vehemently disagree with what she says and what she stands for. And that, you know, same thing with other conservatives. So 
she is very loud and very um, publicized, but that doesn't mean she's representative of black conservatives. Well, I don't believe in giving much uh, energy to, I mean, yeah, causes, persons uh, like herself. But I will highlight and just shout out Black women who are doing a lot of heavy lifting to advance our cause. So shout out to, of course, Angela Davis and the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, Patrice Khan. I'm gonna, I may butcher this. I apologize. Uh, Patrice Khan, Colors, Alicia Garza, Opal, Tomati. Like, thank you. And there are so many more uh, Black women and uh, Black men and just persons of color who are fighting the good fight and doing a lot of the work, the organizing, um, the thankless work behind the scenes. I don't. I don't know your name, but we see you and we feel the movement. The world feels the movement. Like the Amish came out to be a part of the movement. Um, and like, yeah, no energy for anybody negative trying to go against the grain. The world is shifting and it's shifting in much, much, much to part because of these organizations and the hard work that these activists are doing. So thank you. Patty, I love that. <laughs> I respect that. More power to you for doing that. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Thank you. So um, I guess my my last point before we uh, sign off here is um, another thing, too, is that um, like, like uh, Charles was saying, we do need to nurture the young, look out for your cousins, you know, nieces, nephews, children, etc., and make sure that they do feel that they are supported and loved by their own community because you don't ever want to put, I don't ever want to see black people in a place where they feel like they have to go be accepted by racist in order to survive because they don't they have they should have a community that loves them that wants to be with them and i mean i don't care you know we all have you know i'm like please check on you know your weirdo cousins you know we all have them the cousin that's hiding in his room during thanksgiving doesn't want to talk to anybody you know invite them to play cards talk to them text them check up on them you know i don't care what alternative things they may be into. Like, oh, well, so-and-so's different. Please, please just check on your family members, check on black people that you know in your life so they don't, so they're not taken to like a super dark, terrible place. And that's, um, that's my final point. Uh, Chris, did you have anything before we wrapped up? Um, I, echo, I echo those sentiments. Um, I'd like to thank Terrell, Hattie, and Charles for joining us um, for this brief, I, I mean, it was a long discussion, but on a topic that um, can be delved into a whole lot uh, more deeply. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking your time out of your Sunday to be with us. Um, thank you for our listeners out there. And if you'd like to hear more, uh, let us know because we all have 
so many different experiences that we can talk about and um, make sure you, that you share this and elevate these experiences and these stories to um, people that won't otherwise have heard them um, because you know black lives matter but black stories matter as well all right thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next show have a good day and stay black thanks for having us guys <laughs>